Hey, would you open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 5? And while you're turning there, let's pray. Lord, would you give us some um, insight into your word this morning? And, um, I think I just misfired. Oh, I forgot this hey, one. Hey, as you can see, I'm standing before a very <laughs> Lord, amen. nice car. And this was a car that was bought by your church. Uh, I'm so thankful to the Lord to finally have this wonderful car. This is going to be of a great help for this ministry. At least for the very first time, we're going to, we are not going to have the struggle we've been having for the past years. Thank you so much for providing this wonderful car to us. May the Lord richly bless you for what you've done. Thank you so much. Do you remember a couple months ago when William was here? And he uh, told the story of taking the pregnant lady, having a baby on the back of a motorcycle and wrecked it because because uh, they, they, they don't have any transportation out of this village. Uh, we took up an offering that day. It was $20,000. And for $20,000, we bought William a truck. We paid for all the import taxes. And we bought him a brand new motorcycle as well. So he, uh, he keeps saying, I cannot even believe my mind right now. I can't even, <laughs> I can't believe. It's not even real. He's like, keep knocking on it to make sure it's real. Um, Well, if you're visiting, you might realize we're not real fancy around here. <laughs> and you'd be right. <laughs> like, I'd love to say that's unusual, but that's kind of us. But it actually brings the point that I wanted to really make this morning, which is how in the world did we get here? <laughs> like, how do we get to a place that we're part of a fellowship of believers that that can happen? That just $20,000 can happen out of a, I mean, you look around, we're not that big of a church. You know, the second service would combine us. I mean, I, I've been around the church a long time. And that just don't happen. In fact, I'll be real honest with you. That morning when he was here, we talked about it. And I thought, hey, Pastor William, let's talk about, like, your salary. And let's try to get that taken care of for a year, you know. And so when he throws the truck out, that was kind of a left hand. I, mean, like, I didn't see that coming because I thought his salary is $2,000 a year. We'll take up an offering. We'll bump it up to two. And we'll be able to, you know, cheer on that God took care of his salary for a year. And... Or we'll take up an offering that will be $20,000 and take care of the thing that he really needs, which is a vehicle to take care of his people. So the Lord, uh, how do we get here? And, you know, it didn't start as, as here, right? I mean, it started years ago. I, I was, uh, Shannon and I were part of another fellowship. You know, Jim and Donna, you were there. Um, there was a, a group, Mike, Kathy, you guys were there too at that point. And there was this young a group of 20-somethings, and they wanted to start a Bible study. And they, uh, they, they were going to call it Nashville Metro Bible Study. And uh, it, was, it was a steal. Uh, I see Jay back there. It's from Houston. They were like, we're going to steal this thing. And I, I remember telling a, the pastor, look, I'm kind of busy. Shannon and I were doing the youth ministry. And obviously Donna was in the trenches with us there. And, but I said, well, look, if, if you just need me to teach it, I could do that. And then I just need someone else to lead it, you know. And... And that first night, it's been at least 10 years ago, we showed up, and like many things in Christendom, um, it's a little embarrassing <laughs> when I look back on it, because it was, uh, hey, let's get together like this rock band, uh, and it was guys that were like, kind of like my musical heroes, like a dude on a guitar, um, and you know, just a bunch of stuff that if you're 20 years old in 2003 or whatever, that wasn't very cool. And just like a lot of things in Christendom, we, we launched it. It's going to be huge. And like 14 people showed up. And the following week, there were fewer. <laughs> and I think by the third week, Kitar guys show, uh, didn't show up. I don't know if you guys, are we there, Carrie? Carrie had just moved to town. Or, yeah. 
And, uh, and it, here's what it felt like. Is slowly, after about a month, everybody that was all in was all out. And I felt like it was like, hey, everybody on the count of three, let's jump into the pool. Have you ever done that? And then you count to three, and you're the only one jumping. And looking around like, hey, dude, what? I thought we had a thing here, you know? And, and I was left with this interesting dilemma, which is, well, now what? You know, because there was uh, 10 to 12 people, and I was trying to teach, like, the three Ds of dating kind of sermons, you know, things that I thought would be culturally relevant to kids in their 20s. And, and keeping in mind, I wasn't that far removed from it, but, you know, 10 years is a lot. <laughs> a lot of pant styles come in and out in 10 years. And so I was, uh, I feel like I had done what a lot of us do. I just sort of locked into a style around 22 and went with it, you know, which is <laughs> exhibit A. Um, And then one Tuesday night, not long after that, I'd, you know, I'd have been a long day at the management office. And if you've ever been around artists, it's literally is like herding cats. I mean, it's genuinely like, where'd you go? You were just right there. I thought we were, or just like cats, they'll just go lay down for a little bit and <laughs> just sit there for a while. Anyway, um, so I'd had one of those long days and I got to the, I, I didn't have anything to, to, to preach that night. I came in, I didn't have no three D's of dating sermon and and so I just opened to the book of Acts, chapter 1, where I had already been sort of reading in my personal life anyway, and began to just share what the Lord was saying in Acts, chapter 1, and had a really good response that night. And I thought that I had invented chapter by chapter, verse by verse preaching. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> and then slowly, after we went that, down that road, the Lord began to bless it, and the Lord began to, and that's where we met Craig and Bethany. And Justin and Hannah, or Justin first, because she wasn't in town yet. Because, and all I was doing, and I'd love to tell you that I was working really, really hard, but I was just literally reading the scripture and just saying, this is what the Lord is saying, I think, what he says here. And if you were in your 20s, what, what was really interesting was that turned out to be really relevant. <laughs> Even with my American Eagle pants or whatever it was I was wearing at the time. That that was a relevant thing. And here's what I inadvertently figured out. When you go through the word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, when you are in the word, the word begins to go through you. And as the word is going through you, it begins to change you. You begin to be able to, you're doing and you're thinking things you weren't doing and thinking before. And it's a slow process because in the music world, you know, I, I'm day to day and you know, Jay remember some of those days of mine where I wasn't like, I was kind of a tool. But the word was molding me and softening me and changing me. And before long, I was beginning to think about things that I had never thought about before, thinking about things like Haiti and thinking about like, like I would have told you I cared, but obviously I didn't. You could have looked at our checkbook. You could have looked at my travel schedule and see that, nope. I mean, I'm, I was afraid to fly. I kind of still am. So I it didn't even like, I didn't want to go anyplace like that. But the Lord began to open and to wreck me into what he was really doing was tilling up my, my heart. Him doing it, not me. And then over time, we began to think, well, what are we doing this for? Like, we've all come together and we've spent all this money on this thing that we call the church. And is it really just for the purpose of growing the church? Is that why we were doing it? Because it felt a little, a little empty to me. And I don't mean any disrespect to my uh, previous pastor. He's a good man. He loves the Lord. So I don't mean any of it like that at all or any other church in town. But for us, what the Lord was saying was, that, why are you doing this? Like, if you've come together, congratulations, now what? 
And what I was happening to me was that literally that the, the, the Holy Spirit was molding me and that the fruit of the Spirit was beginning to grow from within me. It was not long ago I met a young man in Africa named CBT. And he spoke English. He was from Ghana. And he had just graduated Bible college. And I asked him, so CBT, what are you going to do now? What's next? And he says, man's greatest honor is to give glory to God. And so if I'll swing a hammer, I'll swing it to his glory. If I preach, I'll preach to his glory. And I'm like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Where did you learn that? Because that's not the normal answer in a developing nation. Those of you that have traveled, David knows this, that if they look at you and think, okay, you've got everything and you might be their only shot at getting to college to learn how to be a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor. So the normal thing is I want to be a lawyer and hey, could you help me with that? but not CBT. He's like, I'll swing a hammer to his glory. I'm like, Ken, you need to come preach back in America. I, like, I didn't know that. You're 19 and you know that. I'm 44 and I'm just figuring it out. And when I dug in a little bit with CBT, the Bible school that he went to, uh, we would have laughed at it as a school. It was just a room out in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And they built it there so that they could get away from the distractions of life in Africa. And they literally, all they did was uh, Chuck Smith from Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. They literally would get in the morning and they would listen to MP3s from Genesis to Revelation of Chuck Smith's teaching. And by the time they would get done, they would have literally read through the entire Bible, studied through it, had their own commentary of it, seven to eight hours a day, writing and learning and the word. And by the time you've done that, let me tell you what, you come out different. There wasn't an Old Testament survey class. There was, it was just the word. And the reason why we study the way that we study here is because the word is good enough. The word is more than enough. And the more I can get out of the way of the word, the better for you and the better for I. And the reason why I think that we've seen some of the things we've seen in our fellowship in these past five years, how did we get here, is because we don't, I mean... I can't even hit a button right. Like, but, if, but the word overcomes all of that. And the result of the word is what we call the fruit of the spirit. And in Galatians 5, if you're there, you're like, man, I thought I've already closed it. I thought we were done with that. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5 and 22 tells us the fruit of the spirit is Love. Interesting that it's singular and not plural. Is love. And so what else is he talking about here? Then he says, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Is it a typo that it's singular? Is that him using bad English? It's not. I think that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control is the experience of love. Put this another way. The fruit of uh, the tomato plants in our backyard are tomatoes. But the tomato is red. The tomato is hopefully firm. It's very juicy. Uh, the taste is an acquired taste, if you're a tomato guy, because I am not. <laughs> I think that the, it's the color, it's the taste, it's the feeling, it's the expression, it's the experience of love. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love is patient, love is kind. Cross-reference it. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love. And so when Mark Bourgeois taught on love last week, many of us, you would leave that sermon and you would go out and you would try to do love now. I'm going to try to do that. And he differentiated between, you know, storge and phileo, all the different Greek words of love. He was talking about agape love. Talking about that it's the God kind of love. And if you've been around the world for any length of time, you've been in the word for any length of time, here's what you know about agape love. You don't just go do that one. Because you fail over and over and over. In your marriages, in your families, I have to choose that love and choose it every day. And my spouse, Shannon, chooses it. And I give her lots of great reasons to have to keep trying to choose it every day. I think I left the trash this morning. I don't know if I took it out or not. So you have to choose that love. But the agape love is not a response, it's a result. So when you learn what love was last week from Mark, you don't respond and go do that. It's a result of things that happened long before that. It is a, a response. It's a product. And any product, there's a process involved in the product. It doesn't start that day like I don't go out there and yell, tomatoes, come forth. <laughs> I promise you I don't do that. And if I did, I'd look ridiculous because that's not how it works because there is a process. And that process starts with our hearts being plowed up with, with the, the Father coming in and breaking up the hardness of our heart. I don't do it, he does it. He does it over time. There's a sowing of the word, the seed that talks about in Matthew 4. The sowing is the sower, sows the word. And as you're sowing that into that plowed up soil of my heart. And then there's this thing called fertilizing. And the Lord, I believe the fertilizer that the Lord specializes in is in the, the book of Luke chapter 13. You could go there later. He speaks of this tree that had not been producing. And what does he say? He dug around it. He says, no, don't throw it into the fire. Don't cut it down. Let me dig around it and dung it for a while. All that crap in your life <laughs> that the enemy has thrown at you, the Lord pours it in and allows it to fertilize the soil that is coming out, or the seed that comes up. And of course, watering it and harvesting it. That's just a process. And slowly but surely, day after day and week after week, we call it the slow drip of God's word, fruit begins to show up. And that fruit, if you see is love, the fruit of the spirit is love, and go with me to John 15. Because that fruit, how does it happen? What, is it, what does that really look like for us? And Jesus tells us, in John 15 and verse 4, that if you abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear any fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jackie, when you were talking at our Discover Condo about when, is the th when do we just abide and rest in him? And th there's an important part of this that what we do, what Andrew is doing, what Bob and Carol is doing, what you guys do, what Jim and Donna do on a weekly basis for our youth, what Carrie did yesterday when he's fixing the doors downstairs and accidentally drilled a hole in his hand. Ask, he'll show you the scars. Magnificent. Uh, has to come out of an overflow of love in our hearts that starts by abiding in Jesus. Because if it doesn't, 
then we become what Paul says, weary in well-doing. We are wearing ourselves down. Weary and wearing share the same root word. If it doesn't start here, the fruit isn't love. The fruit is wearing ourselves down. And in these next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. The fruit of the Spirit is love. One of the things is self-control. And of course, the minute you get to go to all your diet and these things. But look, look at your calendar this week. How under control is your calendar this week with your kids' lives? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if we don't make room on the front side for the process, there is no product on the back side. And for those of you that have been around a little bit, you might think, that's great, Darren. How do I abide in him and this fruit? And Jesus would actually go on to say, because I don't want you walking out today trying to just change everything. I want you to walk out today thinking, man, I, I, there's, I have a process that if I will allow this process to happen in me, then self-control is just a natural fruit of what's going to happen. And to force it to happen on your own becomes a fairly negative result. And when you read John 15, these, next, these, these first few verses, right before the abide verses, I believe that it's been, I, I've misunderstood it for years. There's two possible different translations. I'm going to give them both to you because either way, I think they're both right. But he says, if you, in verse 1, I'm the vine and you are the branches. My father is the vine keep dresser. Sorry, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, for years, I've heard that passage and I've been bloodied by it, which is, man, you're not bearing fruit. The Lord is done with you. He has taken you away and thrown you out. And for those of you that are bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you down. Neither one sounds very positive. And neither one really, I believe, sounds like the heart of our Father when you take it with the context of Scripture as a whole. If you look at this contextually, if you look at this culturally, in their culture, the way that if you drive out by Arrington Vineyards, what you're going to see is grapes hung up on these lines, right, all down these lines that are these strings that keep the grapes up off the ground. In ancient Israel, where these guys, where this was written, where this was communicated, grapes weren't grown that way. They were grown on the ground. And the, the vine dresser would come in and he would take the grapes, the vines, and put them up on rocks to get them off of the ground so they could grow. And sometimes water would come, rain would come, and it would, wind would blow them off or just something would knock them and they'd end up down in the mud. And so in the mud, they don't grow very well. They would get rotten. They would get sour. And so what part of the vine dresser's job was to come along and to lift them up, wash them, and place them back on the rock. And that word carried away in the original language is airos. Every other time it's translated in the New Testament, every time it's translated is up, lifting up. When Jesus lifted up his head, it's airos. He lifted up his head. And the word prune is the word kathairo, where we get our word kathairos from, catharsis, washing. So if you take the lens of what he's talking about, in the culture, what they did was lift up, put back on the rock, and wash off so that it could bear more fruit. It takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? That Jesus isn't coming here to bloody you, to beat you down, which I'm glad because I got to tell you, I'm off my rocker a lot. And when I'm off my rocker onto the ground to know that my father comes, the vine dresser, and lifts me back up onto the rock and washes me gently so that I can produce more fruit. What a beautiful picture that is. 
Because he goes on to say, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you in the branch. Do you see what I'm saying? Now let's see, you, you reject that idea. You think, Darren, that's just, you're cooking that book too much. What if it does mean that he comes along and takes a branch and carries it away? If you look at a vine branch, it's not just a branch. There's multiple branches coming off of the same branch. So what if it, a little bit of it is cut away? That sounds painful, but listen to me. Read the book of Hebrews and look at those Old Testament pictures of Abraham and Isaac. And what, does it, what does it cut off in there? Their sin. What does it cut off when Lot, Second Peter tells us Lot was a righteous man. What? Lot? A righteous man? Because God didn't look at him and see the ugly. He looked at him and saw the pure and the beautiful. So just clipping away your sin, clipping away the darkness, that's not so bad either, is it? So which is right? Maybe both of them. But both of them, in my opinion, in my mind, in my heart, gives us a picture of our loving Heavenly Father coming who wants to lift you up, wash you off so that you could abide in him and he in you. And then it goes on to say later in this that you uh, will ask whatever you will and I will give it to you. Our prayers are even better, not because I'm a better prayer, because I'm just praying what God already wants for me. And I'm doing it because I'm abiding in Jesus and knowing that even if I've blown it and I'm off my rocker, I've got a heavenly father not coming to lop me off and to throw me away, but coming to clip away, to make it better for me and put me back up, to hide and to cut off all the sin and to say, I'm not looking at you and seeing that. I'm looking at you and seeing righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and that fruit starts with a heavenly Father coming, not with you trying harder, but with a heavenly Father coming, and you allowing the process to play out, and not freaking out, and not being... If you go down to the Bethesda market tomorrow morning, Jim and Jackie, if you guys go down there, and you're going to... You see a bunch of farmers sitting around a table. And back in Nebraska, uh, it used to be the Gary's Cafe. I don't know if they even have that anymore, Sarah, but... You go in there, especially in June and July, what are, they, what are the farmers doing? They're just hanging out. They're drinking coffee. Talking about which, you know, hairdresser is hot in town. I don't even remember what they were talking about, but I just, I just knew that I wasn't allowed to go there with my dad. But they're not freaking out because they know the process. They've already planted. They've already watered. Them going down and shouting at the corn plants does them none good at all. And they know year after year after year, sometimes we have more, sometimes we have less. Sometimes there's a big harvest, sometimes there's a small harvest. But every time when I plant, when this process plays out, I don't have to freak out. I don't have to worry that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And for you and for I, instead of starting with the result, let's start with what Jesus is doing inside of us. Instead of starting with trying, I'm going to respond to this thing and I'm going to make it better, the love, this agape love, there are things in our lives we do have to make decisions. There are things in our lives that require discipline in our lives. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the supernatural love, this agape God kind of love, whose purpose is, I think in Song of Solomon, gives it best, and if you're in eighth grade, you're welcome. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is this beautiful story this, of a king and his lover that he pursued. 
And in chapter 4, he talks about how much he loves her. He's pursuing her. And in the context of that, he talks about a garden locked is my sister, my bride, a, a spring locked, a fountain seal, talking about her garden with being watered and your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all the choicest fruits, henna and nard and man, who does not enjoy a big old bowl of nard? <laughs> and saffron and calamus and cinnamon, all you oil ladies, this is you right now. And trees, frankincense and myrrh and aloes. With all choice spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water, a flowing stream, arise, north wind blow. It's, he's, the fruit is not for you. The fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the tomato plant is not for the purpose of the branch. It's for the gardener. Your greatest honor to swing a hammer to his glory, to preach, to do mechanic work, to do accounting is to his glory because your fruit was never for you to begin with but it was for him. And to allow him to do the work of plowing up your heart and to let what would normally go, if you look around our pasture right now, our horse and donkey have, you know, there's been, you know, a little, some landmines, if you know what I'm saying. And, and that does not do well unless you go put it in the garden and let it do its job. And you'll take that stuff, the landmines of your life, and pour it in. And allow that process to take place. Keeping in mind, none of the stuff I'm talking about is stuff you have to do. It's what the Father does. You just literally get to rest and abide in Him and allow Him to do the work. The only thing we get to participate in, the discipline, if you will, of this process starts with you reading the Word, not as an academic exercise, not as a self-discipline, but this is it, man. This is my communication from my Father to me. And as you're reading it this week, and it's not, quote, working out for you, how many farmers about July going out? You know what? I just see they're just kind of seedlings right now. It's not really working out. I'm going home. They're just hanging in there knowing that the process has taken place. And as you're reading the word this week, maybe you read it differently and you're not reading it saying, I want to try to learn more, but maybe it's I want to know more of my father. And so if you get to one verse and that's all you got, but you're just, man, father, what are you saying to me here? praying this, the word out and pray over your children and over yourself, but just, what are you saying to me here? You begin to read the Bible differently and slowly, surely, over time, the process begins to result in, in fruit. If you hang in there, what did Galatians 6 tell us in chapter 6, verse 8, verse 9? And let's not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap, speaking of a harvest, if we don't give up. A lot of our brothers and sisters have given up. We, re we, we misunderstood the process as punishment. We misunderstood that the process, we confused it with being passed over, that God has just forgotten. But this is not working out here. And so I've unplugged from this. I've unplugged from the body. I've unplugged from my family because I've been looked over by my father and it's not working out, so I'm giving up. And he says, if you don't give up in due season, You'll reap your harvest. Bobby's been planting for 82 years. And in due season, she begins to reap the harvest. And the harvest is not in what you can do for your father, but in the, the fruit of the Spirit emanating out from your heart. What if that's what our church was about? That you didn't feel like, I got to sign up now to go to Haiti because everybody, what are they going to think of me? Because I'm not going. I mean, Bob and Carol went, no, gosh, I got to go because I got to 
Instead of just saying, no, I'm just in the word. And I'm letting the natural flow of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit grow inside of me. And knowing that, you know what? I've been at this a long time and I feel like I've got the self-control thing down, but man, the kindness thing I'm kind of bad at or this. Understand that when the fruit is growing, it doesn't grow overnight. Those, we have green tomatoes on our vine. We've got buds on our vine and we've got ripe tomatoes. It's all tomatoes. It's just fully forming on those vines and that fruit of the spirit is fully forming in your heart. So yeah, you might have an anger thing going on. But look at this, but it's, you're, still, you're still a perfectly formed, loved, pursued. As you think about it this week, I would encourage you not to go out and quote, do anything, except to plug into the Holy Spirit this week, to abide, to make time in your schedule throw these things down, put them, I've started going down to the basement and leaving my phone upstairs. I've started trying to find a place where I can just disconnect from that so I could connect to him without distraction. Try that. Begin to, and, and to see what the Lord shows you as these, this, the word is inside of you and the fruit begins to grow as you abide in him. Because he says, don't give up. It's really just hang in there. Hang in there and don't give up. And know that the Father is slowly and surely and absolutely producing fruit in your lives as our worshipers are coming back. I hope that this brings you freedom. It's for freedom that he set us free. Not so you could just exchange an old list of things to do with a new list. If my marriage with my wife was nothing with me checking off a list every day, that's a contract, that's not a relationship. He tore up the contract. He said, I'm going to write my will on your hearts and on your minds. And it all starts the process here in his word. Let that process play out this week in your life. Let it play out next week. And if you feel like you've been overlooked and you've been passed over and you've been forgotten, maybe he's dunging you this week. Our faith is not in our ability to garden. Our faith is in the gardener's ability, our Father. And he wants so much to produce that fruit in you. And as he's awakening inside of you, I know in my heart, I'm I'm reading like Armando and Marisol. I'm watching what he's doing in you guys. And he's just awakening stuff inside of you. And and I know that that's just a result of years and years and years of you holding on to this. And Armando, he's, oh man, he's got big plans, right? Because and you're just holding on to this. It's just a fruit of the Spirit happening right in front of our eyes. And I could go around this room and point out others of you, some that I know, some that I don't, but I know that the Father, that this process works every time because it's created by our Heavenly Father. Let it work in you this week. Father, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us insight? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And today, I'm not going to go try to love harder and pray that my brothers and sisters won't. But I'm going to start back with the process of just letting you drip the word inside of me, sow those seeds, and trust that the process continues and that you're patient and you're kind. And for those of us that have been at this years and years, love is patient. You are love. You are patient. You're not angry at us. And today, for my brothers and sisters who maybe feel like they've fallen off their rocker, Lord, would you come and just lift them up, place them back on the rock, 
wash them like the kind and good vine dresser that you are. In your name we pray. Amen.